is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry and with me today is Mikey Singer. He is the president of MCHEM and he is the promoter of the Sport Card Expo. You might remember Mikey as being a presence at the last few virtual sport card expos that were held during the pandemic and he's been so kind to join us today to talk about the upcoming sport card expo in toronto in november mikey hello and thanks for joining us hey sal great to be here thanks for having me great to to see you again we worked so hard and and so much in uh, over the the pandemic on those virtual expos so awesome to jump on the podcast with you those expos were a lot of fun You know, I was there to plug my podcast and try to sell a few shirts, but really people just would come into my booth and we would just talk. I know that wasn't necessarily the goal of it. The goal was for people to sell things and make money. But of course, with shipping things and especially shipping things over the border, it's frustrating both ways, even more so to ship to Canada. But, you know, at one time I'd have like 12 or 14 people just just a bunch of talking heads and we'd all be talking hockey cards. And I mean, and people will come up to me at shows. I do the national conventions in uh, the United States and people will be like, dude, I still remember that virtual expo. And we were just talking for like an hour. It was cool. So yeah, people have good memories of those shows. Yeah. And, and to, to your point, that was one of the really cool aspects of the event. And one of the great things is you saw a lot of that, especially with the content creators. So Usually at some of these shows, the people who get the most attention on an in-person show might be, you know, the larger places like eBay and PWCC and things like that. But on the virtual side, didn't matter how much money you had. Everyone was pretty much the same way. But anyone who was a content creator, such as yourself, Jeremy Lee, these booths were full, right? And it was exactly, Mm -hmm. as you said, with a lot of people coming in, connecting with fellow collectors and talking about collecting talking about what they're collecting, showing what they just bought. Like, it was really cool. So it was one of the really fun aspects and and something that we're trying to recreate in some ways at the upcoming event with some of the things that we're doing in a hybrid approach. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you brought that up because actually the first question I was going to ask you was that generic, what can we expect at this upcoming expo? So the show is going to be larger than it's ever been. It's growing to... I think it's 140,000 square feet, 150,000 square feet, which is larger than the show has ever been. Uh, We're expecting more attendees than we've ever had. The show happens twice a year. This is the time of year that it happens around the Hockey Hall of Fame induction. So we're going to have not only larger space, we're going to have a higher caliber of guests. So I'm not sure if you've you've had an opportunity to check out our, our guest list, but there's some amazing, amazing players who are coming in. Uh, we have a group of the 72 Summit Series uh, players coming in. We have the Legion of Doom line is coming in for signings, Matt Sundin. So really awesome, awesome guests. Six of the cast members from Slapshot. So a lot of really fun, interactive things that are going on. Uh, we'll be doing a ton of Q&As. And we'll also be, again, having really engaging meet and greets with the players making sure fans have a fun way uh have fun with that and then we also have a ton of interactive elements that we're doing so new elements are the yeah, racing hall of fame exhibit that we're having set up uh, we're having a table hockey tournament inside the show where fans will be able to play it and this is pro players from across the world to compete at this at a, at a national level 
coming in and, and playing at the show. And then grading is going to be a big part of this event. So there's basically a grading section with all the major players in the industry within there, uh, including the newest player to enter the space, which is tagged, which is very exciting with their AI technology. So people will be able to view that and submit, but we also have BGS there. We have PSA there, KSA, Mint, all of them will have, uh, will be set up accepting submissions in the area. So again, just that has become such a big part of the show. And then a ton of new vendors, obviously new people entering the space in the hobby in that way, in terms of just collectors coming to set up their tables, but also new companies like center stage and things like that, who have launched apps to really cater to the hobby. So you're seeing a transition where it just used to be table on table of everyone having cards to uh, a mixed bag of apps that are serving the hobby and the hobbyist. And obviously grading has become a much larger part of it. And then the interactive elements that I was talking to you about and Steve, the owner of the show, and you'll hear me refer to him a lot, has put a lot into the stage content and that meet and greet area to really make it a, a top level experience. So what was this you said about some sort of tournament or playing or something? Yeah, so there's a table hockey tournament that will be happening. Professional table hockey players will be coming in. Uh, we'll be doing some high-level games or exhibition games with them. And so, you know, fans will be able to get to use these pro-level tabletop hockey games. And it's, again, just another interactive element that's being added to the show. So one of the things that we want to do is you know, make it as fun for families to attend and, and new hobbyists as anything else. And so you say professional models, so I assume these must be Stigas then. Your knowledge is probably better than mine. I'll have to look at it. Steve knows better than I do. My job is just to get it mapped out and make sure people are uh, knowing about it and getting over to it. But yes, I would imagine no there's Stigas as well. I remember playing on one of the old Coleco ones with the flat metal players. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's come a long way. We actually had some a couple years back at the show. These ones, again, are going to be really high quality pieces. I'm excited to see them on the floor and anytime we have interactive elements. And even that racing Hall of Fame with F1 being so hot in the hobby, you know, we thought it was a, a great idea to add this piece. And there's going to be, you know, race-worn suits, race-worn mm -hmm. helmets. We're going to have a couple different drivers stop in. So again, just adding more and more elements to the show to make it as interesting as possible for each of the hobbyists. Wow, that's a lot of new stuff. I think the table hockey aspect is exciting. And, you know, although I'm not a fan of racing, I mean, of course, I'm aware of how popular F1 has become over the last couple of years. So the fact that the expo is like, you know what, we're a hockey show, but we also incorporate all this other cool stuff that's popular, like the F1. And of course, there are baseball players there as well. And a lot of times I know that you'd have like guests who are like, you know, pro wrestlers. And let's talk some more about those autograph guests, because I just took a look at the page. And I swear, every time I look at the page of autograph guests in anticipation, I'm going to be going to the show for the first time in my life. I've been talking about this for years wanting to go i've wanted to go to this show gosh probably since i got really back into hockey card collecting in 2006 like when i really plunged back into it like head first and this has always just seemed so far away and so like oh i'd have to i'd have to travel and i'd have to get a hotel and whatever and when you don't have two nickels to rub together it's, it's hard to make that sort of thing happen but like eventually you get to a point where you could do it so every time i look at the autograph guest page 
there's like 10 more people at it or maybe five more people, but it's grown from just like five or six people. And I go, hmm, maybe I'll get his autograph to, like you said, you got six guys coming from Slapshot. That's crazy because I mean, we'd expect, you know, of course the gentleman who played the Hanson brothers, but I mean, you got Alan Nichols, you got Jerry Hauser, uh, you got the guy who played Hammerhand, you got Guido Tennessee. So that's pretty cool because I, I don't see these guys do autographs too often. No, that, that's right. And it's a killer lineup, I guess. It really is. And if you look at Matt Sundin, who's basically a hockey god here, he'll be coming in for the second time in the show's history. And at 99 bucks, it's really reasonable to get his autograph. I expect that to be absolutely jam. So again, it's a really good opportunity to meet some awesome players, right? So whether it's Paul Henderson, Phyllis Pizzito, Yvonne Conway, like Timmy Solani is going to be there, right? The talent that's going to be on site, the amount of Hall of Famers that are going to be on site is larger than we've ever had. We really do pride ourselves on probably being one of the best, if not the best, you know, in terms of our, our meet and greet space and our content that we do on stage. We really put a focus on how good the stage looks, how good the content is on it, and, and how great the experience is for our fans when they come for those meet and greets with the players. So the meet and greets, that's kind of like when they get their photos with them, or is this something different? This is the autos and photos. They get to meet them, and, and not every fo- not every player does photos, but okay. uh, a lot of them will, and, and those will be available online, again, for purchase for, for some of them. You know, for example, we're going to have photo opportunities with the cast of Slapshot, photo opportunities with Ricky Henderson, photo opportunities with the Legion of Doom lines, photo opportunities with the 72 Summit series. So there's packages and things like that for them to really get even closer with the players and the fans. So it's really, it is a neat experience. And we've tried some cool stuff in the past. You know, we had Joe Montana come in one year and we set up a a nice little strip of turf and we had people pay to basically, he threw them the football, they would catch it as their own touchdown celebration and then he would sign it for them. So little things like that to make it as interesting as possible. (laughs) That's probably going to be the easiest pass they'll ever catch in their life. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and you know what? It's not. They're freaking out. They're all nervous. At the end of the day, a lot of these people who bought it, this is their guy who they grew up loving and idolizing. And it's moments that we create that are really fun. I've started to see stuff like that at shows, not as much. It seems like we went from, as like a culture, like you have an autograph and that proves that you met the person. But then it's kind of also become like, the picture with the player, the selfie with the player, or the portrait with the player, almost as like a step up. Another way of proving I met this person, I got to see this person, I got to meet my hero. Now we're transitioning or not transitioning, but segueing a little bit into like experiences, like having that experience. Like I got to talk to Joe Montana for a couple of minutes. He tossed me a pass and and we got video of it and it's something you could show your friends, something you could show, you know, your kids or family or whatever. And I'm surprised we don't see more of that at shows. But then again, I imagine that it would be not, a, I don't say a logistical nightmare, but you know, there's, there's a lot that would go into something like that versus an autograph or even a photo. There is even photos are harder than autographs, right? Like all of it is logistics and and things like that, that probably isn't exciting to the average listener, but a lot of what we do. So, right. Steve owns the show. Our job is uh, hired by the the show owner, Steve, to 
really make sure the show runs and executes at a level that is top in Canada and top anywhere in the world. You mentioned before main stage panels and stuff like that. Could you talk about some of those that you got in mind or that you're planning? So we have a Thursday night VIP night where we have, uh, you know, a few of our attendees come in who purchase a VIP package. They get to get in early, obviously meet with the the dealers and have that first crack at cards and people really enjoy that fact. Uh, we're doing special content for them. So for example, we've got a, a night talking about the hobby with Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor, DJ Ski, Nicholas from the eBay Canada side, who's the director of the sport card area, and a couple more uh, people on that panel, again, talking about the hobby. Uh, we have a lot more hobby-centric panels as well on Friday. We have a panel on content creators, and that's with Jeremy Lee from Sports Card Live, Aaron Nowak from Slabstock, and Chasing Cardboard. I don't know if you've watched that YouTube show. Really cool content creator, Ty, who's hit the scene pretty hard over the last year, I would say, and created a really good amount of viewers and followers and subscribers. So we're going to be talking about hobby content, and, and uh, also Jeff Wilson's going to be on there as well. So again, really high level sport card content creators and talking about that uh, and really working through that. And then on Saturday, we've got our hockey centric hobby talk, which will be featuring yourself. And uh, and then what's that? Is this an yeah. announcement? Is this Official an announcement? Yes, you 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 are you are going to be featured finally in person on uh, on one of our panels talking about hockey cards and, and hockey card collecting. We have a fellow American hockey collector who's coming up to be on that panel with you, Hockey Gong Show podcast. So they'll be on there with you, as well as Coach Co from uh, Canada, who's a, who's a big hockey collector as well. So you guys will be up there talking about the hockey hobby as well. It'll be 45 minutes of you basically uh, doing a fun podcast and enjoying each other live. So there'll be another American. That's good. That takes pressure off of me. I'm not representing all of America. I'm just no. representing, co-representing. Exactly. There's there's a couple Americans, a couple Canadians. And I thought that was neat. Like, it just shows you that it, it does cross the border, the, the hockey, obviously, in the northern states more than the, the south. But yeah, the hockey definitely has a reach across the border. You had mentioned that uh, the sport card show was a hockey show. It is you know, it is probably the best hockey collecting show in North America, but it's so much more. You know, there's a ton of baseball, ton of basketball, uh, a little bit of football, but definitely the best hockey collections that you'll find anywhere in the world. That's why I'm excited to finally be coming to this. And I'm really excited that I can get to be a panelist, especially like live on stage in front of people. And this is something I'll talk more about at the expo, but... Being a hockey collector in the United States sometimes was a lot of work. It was work. I mean, I'll save this story for the show. Just trying to track down a Tony Esposito rookie card. May he rest in peace. But I really wanted a Tony Esposito rookie card in 1990. And I could not find one in Chicago because it was an Opeachy card. And, you know, and it was over 20 years old. And, yeah, I mean, you really had to put in work if you wanted hockey cards <laughs> back then. And then it got a little easier to collect as, as time went on, and then it got harder to collect again. So it's like, I don't want to say it's not like collecting baseball, but I mean, you could like fall out of your house and find baseball memorabilia. Hockey, uh, you had to work for. A hundred percent. And it was, you know, it was similar like 
up here for other sports, right? Baseball was always easy because we had the Jays, but like finding basketball as a kid was not the easiest. Even now, it's, it was tougher. And, and over the last five years, when I struck out on my own and started this company, Steve, uh, the, the owner of the Sport Card Expo, was uh, my first client. And when I first went to the show, uh, I was six years ago now almost, I, I had looked around and there was very little basketball at the show. Uh, which is a huge difference from where we are today and and that's just the proliferation of the sport and the you know the raptors winning the championship and all of that plays well for toronto collectors getting into that sport so we'll have a, a live stream q a on friday and a live stream q a on saturday uh we have a, a one every single day gotcha one everything so we'll have actually so everything that we're doing you know inside the show so steve had created um a native application for the event that we had launched just before the pandemic and really didn't get to utilize because mm -hmm. everything went virtual and we just ended up using our uh we ended up using the hop-in platform which we we still enjoy and still use huge fan of it but we have a native app that we're going to be streaming into and what we'll be doing with that is we'll put content in dealers will have an opportunity to connect with attendees in advance so you're going to see in the next little bit a lot more communication around that a lot more talk a lot more push trying to get people to download our goal is to get about six to seven thousand new downloads of the app and people active users engaging with it so again it becomes a year-long community we already do two shows a year just in Toronto. We're up to more shows across North America that we're, we're running. So, you know, using that app to connect people and have the community grow as, you know, we just talked about one of the best parts about the virtual was people connecting and having that conversation and, and talking about the hobby. So that's what we would like to recreate. And again, have that as an ongoing, continually evolving and growing space. So now there's a, a sports card expo in Edmonton, or there was one earlier this year, correct? Mm -hmm. And then there's two in Toronto, so you're up to three now. Obviously, it must have been the time to, to go to three shows. Usually there's a fall show and a spring show. So this time it kind of threw me for a loop that there was a fall and a spring, but the spring show was actually in June, and then there was like an Edmonton show kind of like before. It was more like in the traditional sense of spring, so, I mean, obviously the market was ripe. I was a little surprised, though, because it seemed kind of ambitious, like virtual expos for like two years and in a fall expo. And it's like, all right, let's just do a, a whole brand new one, like right away and not like, you know, well, do we wait and see if maybe this cools off by January or do we just double down and say, screw it, let's throw another show out there. And, and that's what you guys did. Yeah, and, and I think, you know what, um, the writing was on the wall, that there was an appetite. We had been speaking to vendors. There was a show that was there previously. And look, Steve's a shrewd businessman. He's smart. He knew what he was doing. He went out there. There was a very successful event, great turnout, both inside of the vendors having great booths and also in terms of the attendee turnout. It was an excellent show. We had a great Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, rather. We had a really, really great show uh a lot of work to prepare it and, and flip it around and there's actually another show that steve does and supports for another client in ohio which is the strongsville event which is really cool strongsville ohio and it's a vintage card show so no shiny on allowed on the floor no no refractors no nothing so it's it's all vintage and it is 
super cool. We got to work that event. As I said, it was just a really cool event, really cool stuff to see. You become a fan, right? So you start looking for really, and there was stuff that you just don't see everywhere. So really neat. It was also a different kind of vibe. You saw a lot of uh, gentlemen sitting down at tables and really completing sets. I see it a little bit at the Toronto show. Here it was rows and rows of tables of people completing the 59 top set with a lot of commons and things like that. So uh, it was neat. It was a it was a different kind of collecting that I haven't seen in a while. Like I remember when I first got into collecting completing sets, and I haven't even thought of that. I mean, it's it's near impossible with all of the inserts, refractors, and and parallels. Like just really really tough to complete a set. Like I was just talking to Jeremy Lee not too long ago. I really like optic basketball. Mm -hmm. So what I'd love to do is collect all of the rated rookies in purple from 2019, and even that is just like a tough thing to do just tracking them all down and and getting them at a reasonable price even for some of the lesser guys so again it, it's neat to see some of the the older sets being put together that's one thing i'm looking forward to when i go to the national and actually the last two times there have been nationals i've sold as a dealer so i haven't had really a lot of time to walk around and find cards but you know the national would be Maybe 10% of the dealers have hockey. Well, no, probably 20%. But as far as like vintage hockey, maybe 5%, maybe just really a handful of people. So it would become harder. Or like when I'd go to like a bigger show, because I'm spoiled in Chicago, we have a big show in the fall. We have a big mm -hmm. show in March. And it would be like the same few dealers who would have vintage hockey, but really nothing from the 50s some from the 60s, mainly like the 70s and up. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to at the Toronto Expo next month is trying to find some of those older hockey cards that have eluded me for years. So I'm one of those guys with lists. Now it's on my phone, but still, it's a, it's a Word doc. It's just it's on my phone now. You're right in that sweet spot, right? Where you've got that digital know-how, but you're still looking through your list. I promise you this, you will definitely be able to find what you're looking for uh, vintage hockey-wise in Toronto. Thinking of the last couple of in-person expos, we had fall, we had summer, and we had the Edmonton one. What are maybe some of the highlights or things that stood out to you about the last couple of shows? Just to kind of give people an idea who haven't come to the expo yet, but maybe are thinking about it. So it's been really cool seeing some of the, the different brands come in and bring cool activations into the space. Tables are always great. You know, everything from BMW sports cards to Player's Choice and, and Mint Inc. and all, all of those booths. And, but like new additions like Mint Inc. that I just mentioned are really cool. They're doing live streaming and breaking inside the show and setting up a really cool lounge and great experience. So seeing that come in, eBay coming in in a much larger way. So prior to the pandemic, they were a part of the show. Now they're the title sponsor. So eBay has come in in a large way. They're doing a lot of fun. They're handing out cars to kids and letting them open packs on site. And they're doing the kids breaks. And they're really doing a lot more to engage the average hobbyist and making it a lot more fun by doing so. So that was really cool. Uh, it was great to see the faces of the people as they came back in. A lot of smiling faces. And more than ever, I'm seeing families come in. So like a lot of dads and moms and dads and kids and a lot more of that come in. So we're seeing that turnover of 
parents sharing with the next generation of hobbies that their interests. And I'm seeing a lot of kids get into it. So it was exciting for me to see, like, I remember being, so I attended this show when I was 12 years old and going to the international center and walking through and looking at all the boxes and things like that. This is before Steve ever owned it, before I ever knew I was going to work in the industry. So it's fun to see that transition of people my age, bring their kids down, their 12 year olds and getting them into the hobby. I have a bunch of friends come down, bringing their kids. So it's really fun seeing that. And it's really an exciting part of the hobby in general. And then the, the other part is uh, anytime we get to do Q and A's that go really well. You know, at one point we had Bobby and Dennis Hall on for a Q&A and they were hilarious. And anytime we get great players who are really engaging, it just makes for really fun times and, and stuff that you don't necessarily, they're going to speak far more freely here than on a, a, on a television broadcast because there's not as much pressure. So we get some really good stories, really good turnout and awesome interactions with the players and the fans and and uh, yeah, just excited to see more of that and, and the continued growth of the show. Do you know if there's going to be any player discussions or panels at this show or that's still TBA? Yeah, there will be. We're just solidifying all of the players who are going to be up for Q&As, but there's at least two or three a day. Excellent. And so we do 10 minutes Q&As with the moderator where we're going to have an opportunity to connect with them, ask them a few questions, honestly, just get some really fun answers and uh, and then they go off and meet their fans or it's right after they meet their fans. But yeah, it really is a, a good time. It just throw this out there. I'm sure you've already thought of this or somebody has, but I got to tell you, if you had the six guys from Slapshot doing a discussion, <laughs> you would need the biggest room you could find for that because I'm sure there wouldn't be an empty seat. Yeah, well, I think we we are. We're going to have a Q&A. So that's one of the Q&As for sure that we will have on stage. We're going to have those guys up there. We'll have a really good time with them. Right? I mean, look, it, it's definitely a really good group of guys. It's going to be real funny. Uh, excited to have them in and excited to, to see what they stay on stage. <laughs> you know? Yeah. One of the most no, iconic absolutely. movies. You know, especially the guys who played hockey, but then also were acting in the film and then you know there's also um well you know jerry hauser's more of an actor who ended up playing a hockey player versus hockey, hockey player and played. he played a hockey player again in the uh i don't know if you ever saw the uh made for tv miracle on ice movie called miracle on ice no i saw the one the the later like the movie movie with the disney one yeah so hauser jerry hauser is in it was on ABC TV, if I remember correctly, but 1981, uh, it was called The Miracle on Ice, and it was basically a dramatization of the 1980 American team beating the Soviets in the 1980 Olympics. Pretty quick turnaround and, to have it out in 81. Well, and, you know, the thing was is that a, lo a lot of it, they just used game footage. Yeah, So they, which makes they, sense, right? Which makes a lot of sense, yeah. And so Hauser played one of the players... I guess he plays the guy who gets cut last in the film. So he doesn't play one of the 20 Olympians, but he was on that team with them for a while. So he, he's become, you know, he's like a main character in the storyline. But uh, I kind of pick up on these guys who've done more than one hockey movie. You know what I mean? And he's one of them. So I think that's really cool. So <laughs> it's going to be funny, right? Like it's rare that you get as many together as you can. So we got a lot of them. I'm curious to see what they say. Uh, it'll be up to the it'll be up to the moderator to to get some great answers out of them. This is a two part question, and you can answer either part or both. 
what advice would you have for people coming to the expo for the first time and maybe advice for Americans like myself who are coming to the expo for the first time? It's not so off from the the national. Less people, but very similar in vibe. Uh, you're gonna meet a lot of nicer people though. <laughs> but bring comfortable shoes, right? Be ready to walk. It's a lot of walking. It's 150,000 square feet. If you want to see the whole show, you're going to move around. We have food on site, but don't be afraid to walk out of the venue. You can go in and out over the course of the day if you got a day ticket or a weekend ticket where you can leave leave throughout. There's lots of food around there. Parking's free, but there's tons of hotels. You know, if you're traveling from out of town, there's a lot of hotels within a very close vicinity, and a couple have uh, agreements with the room blocks with the event. So feel free to check out the show to see good rates on on hotel rooms, and then uh, really bring cash, right? Like if if you can, bring some cash. Never hurts to have cash if you want to get the best price on something. Yeah, PayPal and everything is good and definitely have those forms of payment, especially for some of the bigger ones. But if you're looking to get a deal, dealers will always generally give you a better deal on cash than they will on electronic sales. And know your stuff, right? Whether you're coming to sell or buy, look up comps. If you're coming to buy a specific car, look up the last five comp, last six comps of sales going in so that you know the price that you really want to get at. And then conversely, if you're looking to sell, Go in knowing your comps and don't expect to get top retail price. Because at the end of the day, if you're looking to sell to a dealer, come in with the understanding that they have overhead of storage, storefronts, listing, time, sweat equity, all of that that goes into it. Make sure you're coming in with that attitude that you're not going to get top comp on it recently. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when I'm at a show and People will say, oh, this card sells for 80. I'll sell it to you for 75. Like when I'm a dealer and I'm like, no, it, it doesn't work that way. I say, because then the next guy is going to say, I'll give you 75 for it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and also they're not factoring in the time, your investment in the card. So you've got to buy the card. You don't know how long you're going to hold it for. Maybe it's a quick flip. Maybe it's not. So that's opportunity cost. So that $75 can't go to any other cards. And then you're assuming the risk, right? So player goes up or down, the prices go up or down. So there's got to be some wiggle room on, on the back end. And then you have your time and equity that goes into working the booth, paying for the booth, which they didn't pay to come into. They've just walked into. Uh, and then also your time in terms of listing it and waiting for it to sell. So all of these factors have to be going in when you're going to sell a card to a dealer. Well, that's good advice for people selling cards to dealers, and hopefully some of them will take that advice because uh, <laughs> some can use it sometimes. Let me ask this. Are there any plans to do any sort of trade night or something? Yeah. Oh, there's a trade night. So on Saturday night, we have a trade night sponsored by Mint Inc. It's going to happen just off the show floor, so it's not even outside mm -hmm. a hotel. So people will be able to walk right into the trade night as soon as the show ends on the Saturday. Very cool. And I know you mentioned Aaron from Slab Stocks. I met Aaron a couple of years back at the 2019 National Convention. He and another guy named Mark Petrie, Trees Collectibles, who specializes in hockey, and myself, the three of us worked together to make a hockey trade night at the National in 2019. And it was funny because these two guys just on social media, they're like, we're doing a hockey trade night. And I messaged them and I said, I'd like to be involved. And they're like, okay, I got to know those guys really well. It was 
such a unique thing because there was already a trade night at the National, but mm-hmm. we branded this as a hockey trade night. And put it to this way, again, remember, this is Chicago. This is 2019, so this is pre-sports card boom 2.0, and you only to have about 10% hockey collectors at this show. So the people who came to our trade night, a lot of them were Canadian, but I'll still have people walk up to me and say, I remember you, you did that trade night back in 2019. And I'm like, you remember me from that? Okay, (laughs) you know, but uh, those are a lot of fun. Actually, there's a very old school feeling to it because it's called trade night. So the encouragement is to actually trade the trading cards. Trade nights are just such a beautiful thing. And it's great to see that the expo is embracing the idea of trading cards, trading the trading cards and 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 giving people a space to do it too. That's it. And and so they, you know, the ticket is 25 bucks to get in. It includes uh, a beverage, a pizza, and obviously your chance to win. So Minting brings in a DJ. Uh, it's a full bar. It's a really good time. We try to make it a trade night with a little bit of a party twist to it. So it's a really good time. Last year was the first year we did it. We had a great turnout for it. So we're expecting an even bigger turnout this year as as we push it even harder leading in. That is exciting. So anything else we should know about the uh, expo that you want to mention or that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Again, the show is four days if you buy the VIP ticket. It's three days if you buy the weekend pass. It's going to be the largest it's ever been. Uh, Have fun. Come down. Be safe when you come down. You know, make sure if you're coming with your, your cards, try to make it as movable as possible. Backpacks. Be secure. You know, keep an eye on your stuff and uh, and have a good time. And <laughs> know your comps going in. And keep an eye out for me because I'll be there. I'll be in a black Puck Junk logo T-shirt. And I'll even be passing out a few to people that I see on the show floor. So if you see me and you want one, ask for one. And uh, hopefully you'll come to the Q&A panel that I'm so happy to be a part of. So, yeah, this is going to be great. Awesome, Sal. Um, well, it'll be great to see you, and it'll be great to see you in person again after so many times working together virtually, and uh, and it was awesome to be here on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe, and until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.